tithe because wisdom cries out that we should. The clearest verse in the Bible is one of the most clear verses in the Bible concerning this is in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, where it says, Honor the Lord. So we see then that giving is a matter of honoring. Honor him with your substance <clears throat> and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Everyone say the first fruits of all thine increase. In verse 10 it says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. One translation says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. How many folks here this morning want abundance in your life? You want your barns to be blessed and your storehouses to increase? Well, it begins... By honoring Him. I love that phrase, honor Him with your wealth. Honor Him with your wealth. Um, there was no guesswork as to what He was talking about. He was saying to bring your very first and your very best. How many of you know what the word tithe means? You know, perhaps when you first got saved, you thought maybe you were talking about tithes. Or tires. You know, when I found out that it was a biblical uh, principle, it was a biblical uh, aspect of the Word of God, when I was very young, you know, I grew up a certain denomination, we don't need to talk about that today, but basically in the denomination that I grew up, I mean, when I saw my dad give a dollar bill, I thought, man, what is he giving so much for? I'm thinking, whew, I could use that money. I'd go down to Jimmy's Cafe, give me two hamburgers, two cheeseburgers, a French fry, and a Coca-Cola for a buck in those days. I'm thinking, man, my dad must be loaded. And so, you know, I didn't know, and, and many of you didn't know. Well, you know, the Bible says that... Uh, that we get destroyed, that the people of God can be destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Uh, Isaiah says that, that uh, it's possible to go into captivity because we have no knowledge. How many of you know what you don't know can't hurt you? Right? And so I, I really believe with all of my heart that that's one of the main reasons why people do not tithe is because they do not know to. They don't know. They don't know to. And if they know to, they knew to, that the truth, almost sounds like YouTube, if they knew to, uh, that the truth would begin to get in their hearts and it would set them free. You know, I don't believe that God's trying to get something away from us. He's trying to get something to us. In the, in the biblical principle is Matthew 6.33, if you will seek first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things shall be subtracted from you. No, 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 that's not what it says. All these things shall be added unto you. So God is not opposed to you having things. He is opposed to things having us. He's not opposed to you having money or being rich. 
But he is opposed to money owning and driving us. And so when we honor the Lord, when we take the tenth, you know, if you make a hundred dollars a week, how much should you be tithing? Amen. If you make a thousand dollars a week, how much should you be tithing? Well, I've got other plans for that hundred. Well, the devil might have other plans for your 900. You've got to close the door on that rat. And keep him completely under your feet. And one way that we can do that is by honoring the Lord with our tithes. So the bringing of the tithe, or the first and the best, is inseparable from the promise of God's blessing on those who do. In the book of Malachi, I mean Malachi. Did you know that Malachi was an Italian? It says that he will open the what? He will open the windows of heaven. Oh, glory to God. I believe that tithers have tithers rights. And I believe that tithers live under an open heaven. But not only that, God said he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There are tithers rights that you and I can expect to take place in our life. You know, as I shared with the 11 a.m. service last week, and I didn't share it with the 9 a.m. service, but there's a, a man of God. His name is Mark Barclay. He has a ministry in Michigan. And uh, his little granddaughter drowned in a swimming pool. Her hair got caught in one of the, I don't know what you would call it, kind of one of the vacuums. And, and she was literally just about to be pronounced dead. The medics had gotten there. And they were just ready to turn to the parents and say, I'm sorry, she's completely gone. When all of a sudden, in the background, Mark's son, who grew up in a pastor's home, but also in a tithing home, rose up on the inside and said, No devil, you cannot have my daughter. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I claim my tither's rights. And they buried her three days later. No, she lived. I said she lived. And I know that that is a very extreme example. But you know what? In this day and this hour, we've got to put our foot down and say, you know what? I have brought my tithes into the storehouse. Not demanding God of anything, but demanding the devil to take his hands off our stuff. Amen. The Bible says, if you will resist the devil, he will flee. But here's the great news. God said for the tither, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, I know that we have authority and we are to resist him and we can rebuke him. But I like the double rebuke. I like the commander in chiefs, the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuking the devil too. How about that? Amen. So bear those things in mind, and as you present your tithes and offerings to the Lord, there is a cause in the earth today. You know, this wouldn't have happened yesterday if people just like you hadn't brought your supply of service, your supply of time, and your supply of talents. 
But good things are happening, amen? Amen. And we just believe they're going to continue to happen for the glory of God. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 22. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses there in our text. Luke, the 22nd chapter, and the 31st and the 32nd verse. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray that that which you would want to say to your people today would flow freely. That revelation knowledge would flow. That the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. Let it rain, Lord, in this place. Let our hearts be encouraged and our spirits be enlightened. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter, and yet he is also speaking to us because we know that we do have an enemy. We're not to fear the enemy because we know that the Lord is on our side and the Lord is most definitely for us. And the Lord spoke and said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when thou art converted, go and strengthen your brothers. Well, the good news is this, is Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he ever lives to make intercession and to pray for you and to pray for me. And I believe that one of the things that he is praying about is that our faith would not fail. Because without it, it is impossible to please the Father. And when Jesus was on this earth, he said, I always do those things that please my Father. And so if we are going to be like the Master and please our Father, and so to see it that our faith will not fail, we must live by faith and keep our faith extremely strong so that we can walk in the goodness of God. Now the word sift there, it means to separate, it means to break into pieces, it means to shake, it means to shatter, And it means to discourage. And so the enemy's plan is to drain, to weaken, to wear down our faith through continual pressure, disappointments, and discouragement. So his plan is that he would love for us to back down from using our faith. And to back down from taking a strong stand for what belongs to us. We do not need to talk God, talk God into giving us things. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so, His plan is for us to live in a continual state of retreat. Now, the Apostle Paul knew something about the enemy trying to sift him. This great apostle Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 
This great apostle Paul who said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This same one who said, if God be for you, who can be against you? This great apostle, hallelujah, who said, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He faced the enemy. And he didn't back down from the enemy. But he faced him triumphantly through his faith. And you can do the same exact thing. Now in 2 Corinthians, we'll notice in chapter 11 and verse 24, let me just rehearse some of the things that Paul faced. He said, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. He said, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep. In verse 26, he says, In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. You suppose the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to throw up his hands and say, this just is not worth it. I'm going back to make me some tents. I'm going back to the house. Every one of us will be faced with the opportunity to quit. To throw up our hands and say, you know what? This is too much. I'm done. But notice the Apostle Paul's attitude. This is the spirit of faith. faith. Dad Hagen said many years ago that the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. Let's say that kind of like we are interested in this. Let's declare this real strong today. The spirit of faith, it is the spirit of victory. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, great, great insight into these truths this morning. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, here's what he said. We are troubled on every side. Well, he was, wasn't he? He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Troubled, but not distressed. Trouble came, but he wasn't distressed by the trouble that came. I looked up the word distressed as I was studying this week. And the word distressed means to suffer from anxiety, sorrow, pain, to the point of being impoverished. Troubled, but not anxious. Troubled on every side, but not in pain. Trouble comes, but trouble does not win. 
Because I say it doesn't. Now here's what most people do. Because most Christians do not walk by faith, they walk by sight. I mean, that's not being critical, that's just a fact. But here's what most Christians' attitude is this. Well, when the trouble stops, Pastor Mark, then I will not be distressed. But we do not have to yield to the distress. This is what I want you to see today. We do not have to yield to the worry. We do not have to yield to the anxiety. We do not have to yield to the pain. I'm telling you this morning, if you will operate by faith, you do not have to be distressed. Never distressed. Never worried. Never anxious. Never panicked. Never stressed. Why? Because I choose not to be. I make the choice to rejoice rather than to be sorrowful. I make the choice to praise and to talk the answer rather than to moan and complain and talk the problem. Did you know that talking the problem only makes the problem bigger? But talking the answer elevates you to a place of rest and to a place of peace that, quite frankly, this world knows absolutely nothing about. You are looking at a man of rest. You are looking at a man of peace. I am in rest and I am in peace right now. And I've had to make some serious adjustments to get to that place. Which will tell you that I've had ample opportunity to yield to being distressed and have in fact yielded. But I have discovered that it's just as easy to yield to God and to His Word as it is to yield to stress and anxiety. But it is not automatic. It comes as a choice of your will. Say it with me. I'm too blessed... To be stressed. stressed. Declare this with me. I'm not distressed. distressed. Never. Never. Ever. Ever. Now you know what that does to the devil? I mean when you really do this. As a way of life. When you get over the hump. And you really see this. And it becomes a reality in your life. When you go beyond the norm, when you go beyond the natural and go into the supernatural, 
let's say it like this. When you leave the seen realm and you go into the unseen realm, when you leave the temporary realm and you go into the eternal realm, when you leave the sight realm and go into the faith realm, (laughs) it discourages the enemy big time. I was playing basketball one time out at club sport and you know, I was telling Brenda yesterday on the way into the uh, backpack outreach, I said, you know, I'm 65 years old, but I still have those competitive juices in me. I mean, I'm ready to hit the court again. Now, I know I'm not going to and probably shouldn't. But I'm telling you, once you've got it in you, man, you, you, it's there. It is just flat. That's why you see me going around church sometimes like this. Giving you a little head fake. And <laughs> I mean, it's just part of my DNA. That's how I was brought up. And I like it. Ah, now we're competing for souls. Hallelujah. Now we're competing for buildings to be paid off. Give me this mountain glory. Anyway. But... Especially in the 90s out at Club Sport in Fremont. There was quite a group there. There was a lot of us there that thought we were still in high school. (laughs) I remember George and Terry and Brenda and I were out of town one time. And this was an anniversary we experienced. We were on a cruise. And I was out playing basketball with the younger folks. And man, I felt like throwing elbows and everything. But these guys, I mean, they played serious. And if they didn't like the shot that they almost made, it was an immediate foul. And so I got in there, and I like to mix it up and rebound. And, man, I took a shot to the ribs. And, you know, that'll catch you. You see a football player getting a shot to the ribs, it's it's immediate like that. And so this one guy says, come on off the bench. And I said, no, I'm staying in. He says, oh, going to suck it up, huh? I said, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Now listen to this. This statement is worth you being here this morning. Listen very, very carefully. Don't encourage your enemy by yielding to stress. Don't encourage your enemy. Now listen to this. When he has given you his best shot and you seem unfazed by it, it will literally discourage him. I said when when he's given you his best shot, and you seem unfazed by it, it will, it'll discourage him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. Keith Moore shared one time, he said, you know, uh, he was trained in martial arts. 
And he said when he was on a bus as a kid, about four or five little kids beat him up. And he got home and his dad said, we got to do something with you, boy. So he got him in training for martial arts. And he said when he was 17 years old, he said he was in this major, major fight, you know, legal fight, martial arts. And he said some guy just came out of nowhere and cold cocked him and, and literally could have knocked him down or knocked him out. But he said he just kind of stepped back, put his shoulders back and smiled at him. He said, I saw the blood literally drain out of his face. Because in fact, the enemy hit him with his best shot and he stood unfazed. Amen? No, I'm not saying that we are not emotional beings and I'm not saying that, you know, we've never missed it. We all have. But I'm saying this is a better way. There's a higher way. There's a stronger way for all of us to live. And a lot of it begins by what you believe in your heart and what you say with your mouth on a daily basis. Saying things like this, I've rolled all my cares over on God, therefore I don't have a care. I am fear-free, I am care-free, and I am faith-filled, and I have the victory. Amen. Here's another one. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am moved only by what I believe. And I believe God. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 27. Now, the Apostle Paul had a divine appointment. And this divine appointment was to go to see Caesar. Did you know, do you know that he had an appointment to go to Caesar's? So he had to take a ship. In those days, they didn't have 747s. They didn't have little Cessnas. They had boats. And so he had to grab a boat. And uh, he said over there in verse 10 of Acts 27... He said, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Let's stop right there. Everyone say, I perceive. perceive. Where did he perceive this? He knew something in his heart. How many of you know you can know some things in your heart that your head doesn't know yet? There was just this inward witness. There was just this little check on the inside. There was just this little red light on the inside. He just knew that this voyage was not going to be good. There was going to be much hurt and there was going to be much damage. Now, what should we do when we have perceptions like that? I mean, if you're sitting at Oakland International Airport and you're going to fly to GFK, JFK this afternoon and you perceive in your spirit by the Holy Spirit, not to get on that jet, what do you do? You don't get on the jet. Amen. Or if you perceive that the normal way that you drive home every day, you should take a different route because the normal way that you drive home, there could be trouble on the road, what do you do? This is not... 
college here. This is elementary. He said in verse 11, Nevertheless, though, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So Paul was not in authority there, was he? And because the haven was not commodious to winter, the more advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia, and there to winter, which is in the haven of Crete, and lieth toward the south and west and north and west. Verse 13. Read that with me. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by to Crete. Everything looked great. Everything looked good. So we're going to go for it. Why didn't Paul get off the ship? Because he knew that God was able to take him to the other side in spite of much hurt and much damage. He had a divine appointment to go see Caesar. Oh my. Now notice. In verse 14. But not long after there arose against it a temptuous wind called, everyone say, Erechlidon. That's a big storm with bad intentions. Now notice in verse 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. They're starting to throw things over. Verse 19. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Anybody ever been there before? All hope was gone. Now notice in verse 21. But after long Abstinence. Now, here is a key. Listen very carefully. Wasn't this the great apostle Paul? Could he have not just stood up like Jesus did and say, peace be still? He wasn't led to do that. And there was a no anointing to do that. But instead, what Paul did, I'm sure he got on his knees just like you would have gotten on your knees. Paul lived a lifestyle of abstinence. Paul lived a disciplined lifestyle. And so when the storm came, Paul went to the great storm stiller. And he had a time with him and a fellowship with him. Now notice, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to do what? I exhort you to what? One more time now. I exhort you to what? Question mark. Did Paul have the opportunity to be distressed? Did he yield to the distress? No. He yielded 
to the word of the Lord. Not the things that he could see, not the things that he felt. He didn't yield to the fact that they were lightening the ship. And the next thing, it could be me. No. He said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Don't be distressed, Paul. Don't be anxious, Paul. Don't go into a panic mode, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And lo, your good, good father has given you all them that sail with thee. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Read verse 25 and shout with me. Ready, read. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got to read it again. Read it again. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. In Paul's case, what is it that shall be? He shall go before Caesar. Amen? In your case, what is it that shall be? What is it that God has told you? Now the problem is we don't get happy enough about what God's told us. Do you feel that? Ooh. <laughs> Be a good cheer. God said some things to you in 66 books. Be of good cheer. I'll supply your need. Be of good cheer. David said it like this. I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed out begging for bread. Be of good cheer. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you claim your whole household to be saved, they shall be saved. Don't yield to the distress. Don't yield to what you see them doing or not see them doing. Yield to the Word. Be of good cheer. Hallelujah. What is it that God's told you? We need to pick up the promises of God and look at them and get them in our heart and get excited about it. Be of good cheer. Have no fear. By His stripes, by His what? You were what? 
yeah, I know the Bible says that, but I don't feel healed. I know the Bible says that, I don't see healed. I don't want to be unkind, but we've got to get over into the faith realm and the joy realm and stay in that realm to get to Caesar. Amen. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. He yielded to the word of the Lord, not the things that he saw and not the things that he felt. And oh, brother and sister, you will feel some things. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4, 9, he continues on. He said, persecuted but not forsaken. That's because his God never leaves him nor forsakes him. He said, yeah, I've been knocked down, but thank God I'm never knocked out. In other words, I'm getting back up. So we say, yeah, but that was Paul. You know, that's Paul. He's an apostle. He was chosen of God. Well, you're chosen of God. Read verse 13 with me. I want you to see this. We having... The same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. In other words, we have the same spirit of faith that Paul had. We have the same spirit of faith that David had. As a matter of fact, we have the same measure of faith that God created the worlds with. Say this with me. I have a measure of mountain-moving faith. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. That's us. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to what? Every man the measure of faith. So as a born-again believer... You have been given the measure of faith. It is the spirit of faith. Now, there's no difference between the faith Kenneth Copeland has and the faith you've received. Brother Copeland, when he got born again way back there in the 60s, he did not get a bucket full and us a teaspoonful. Amen? We all were given at the new birth the measure. In 2 Peter 1.1 it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, notice, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So the moment that you became right with God and became the righteousness of God in Christ, you were given the same faith Peter had. Say it with me, the faith of God has been imparted into my inner man at the time of the new birth. And so then, it's very unscriptural to pray, Oh God, give me more faith. Begin developing the measure that you have, and the measure that you have will grow. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, said that your faith groweth exceedingly. Amen? 
So when the temptation to be distressed comes and you don't yield to that and you yield to the word and take your stance, you're working out. Your muscles are growing. Faith is developed through nourishment and exercise. Faith is maintained and fed by the Word of God. How many of you have ever run empty on your gas tank before? What was the thing to do? The thing to do was go to the gas station and what? Well, spiritually, it's very possible to get empty. Don't wait till you get empty to go to the spiritual gas station to fill up. Stay full. Stay full of the Word. Stay full of the Spirit. Stay full of joy. Stay full of God. And you will begin to experience an overflow and you will get stronger so that when distress comes, you will be in a position where, no, I'm not falling into that again. I've been there before, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but now I've moved over into the land of peace and joy. I've moved over into the land of faith in God. Oh, and it's a better place. How many of you, come on somebody, how many of you can testify with me that trust in God is a better place than worrying about the devil? How many of you can testify that meditating on the word pays rich dividends much more than meditating on the lives of the enemy? Here's the key. A major key. Jesus said it. He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen. I am feeding you today. You are being fed. F-E-D. Amen? I can remember an ad when we were kids. It was Mapo. It was a cereal. And they would kind of go round and round to, to get that Mapo in their mouth. And go, mm, like that. A lot of Christians are like that when they come to church. No, open your mouth. Open your heart, man. You're being fed. It's food to your spirit. It's life to your body. It's encouragement to your soul. It's strength for your bones. Woo! Glory to God. It'll give strength to you on Monday morning. Life to your spirit. Jesus emphasized Special spirit food. How many of you know that spiritual things are much more important than natural things? God is a spirit. You are a spirit. Paul said to Timothy, put the brothers in remembrance to these things. And if you do, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I must be a good minister. He said, you will be nourished up in the words of doubt. You will be nourished up in the words of all these awful things going on in the world. No! You will be nourished up in the words of faith. Faith words nourish. Faith words feed your spirit. How many of you know what anemia is? And I, I'm going to take a little extra time today, so 
you know, just relax. It's 10.15, but that doesn't mean anything to me right now. All right? Oh, there went the clock. Sorry. Nourished up. Anemia. There's a, different, there's a couple different kinds of anemia. There's hemolytic anemia, which is an anemia that comes as a result of taking strong prescription drugs. Okay? And the way that they deal with hemolytic uh, anemia is they give them Procrit so that they can build their uh, red uh, uh, cells back up. I see some of you nodding. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And then there is the anemia that comes from a lack of iron and B12, okay? And, and so they don't give them what they would take for hemolytic anemia, but they give them, uh, they tell them to take iron pills or just go eat a good 18-ounce ribeye. You know? Make sure you get plenty of iron into your system. Well, there are millions, and I don't, I don't, I'm not judging anybody, and I'm not putting anybody down, and I'm not talking about you, but there are millions of Christians starving spiritually. They are suffering from spiritual anemia. Now, it doesn't take its toll overnight. But over the process of time, you can discover that your hopes can go from here to here. That your strength can go from here to here to here to here to here to where sooner or later you just kind of bottom out. Your encouragement level goes to disappointment to discouragement. How many of you know it's so important that we be fed something good? Not just now, but I'm talking about every day. You know, if most preachers had a nutritional label on their sermons, fifty percent opinion. In this atmosphere today, not here, thirty-five percent politics, and then fifteen percent filler. Where's the word? Where's the life? Where's the strength? This is a word church. This is a Holy Ghost church. This is what we do. This is how we roll. Yeah. We eat the whole roll. And plenty of dessert. Everybody okay? Psalms 19.10 says, More to be desired is the word than fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 119.103 and verse 130 says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Can you taste the word? Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
verse 130 says, that the entrance of thy words giveth light and it gives understanding unto the simple. Have you tasted anything today? Have you eaten anything today? Can you taste the word? Oh, taste. Jeremiah said this, thy words were found. You got to find them first. Secondly, you must eat them. And when you find them and you eat them, then you will be happy. And thy word was unto me. Woohoo! The joy and rejoicing of my heart. In a couple of weeks, a lot of people are going to really be happy about their football team. Woohoo! Woohoo! Over carrying a little pig under their arm. I'm all for football, I'm all for basketball, but I'm mucho, mucho more for the Word of God, putting Him first place, and having heaven on earth through our covenant with a covenant-keeping God. Oh, we're going to get happy, we're going to get happy when the Warriors win the world championship. What if they don't? Will you be distressed? You can taste... The word, like you can taste good chili. Brenda makes me the best chili I've ever had in the world. I told her last night, when we were having, we had breakfast for dinner last night. I said, it's really hard going to restaurants and spending money when I've got such a delightful cook at home. I mean to tell you. You taste, you, t- you get some of that chili? You get some of those Portuguese beans that Terry makes? You, you'll, you'll just, you'll just say, oh yeah, now that's some chili. Oh, oh yeah, now, that, now, now that, that right there is some Portuguese beans. God's spread a table before us come on in the presence of our enemies and he's invited us to partake and just get so full to overflowing with the word as newborn babes desire the sincere milk that you may what that you may grow thereby instead of living 40 years on religious water What do you say we get into the pure Word of God? Some people, they just don't want to grow. Look around this church. This is not a nursery. This is not a nursery. Somebody say, are you against having spiritual babies? No. Let's believe God for more spiritual babies. Let's feed them. Let's grow them. Let's see them get discipled. But most Christians, they're expecting to be served rather than to serve. Job 23, 12 says, I have not gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Everyone stand if you would.
Say this with me. Spiritual food is my priority. Here's what Amos said. Amos said, Behold, the days will come that I will send a famine in the land. It will not be a famine of bread nor of thirst for water, but this famine will be of hearing the words of the Lord. That's the worst kind of famine. But oh, you and I, we are so blessed. We are not experiencing a famine in the United States of America. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same into the next day, there is so much word going forth. There is so much happening in the United States and around the world. You and I, we are king's kids. But as king's kids, let's eat like kings. Amen. Raise your hands with me and say, Lord, I receive the words from the word today. I choose life. For your words, they are spirit. And they are life. When stress comes and the opportunity comes to be distressed, I make the right choice. I choose life. I choose God. I choose to live on the Word of God and on the joy side of life. For those of you who need help to do this right now, just declare this with me. I roll all my cares, all my concerns, every fear. I roll it over on you. I close the door now on stress and distress in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood. Over my spirit, over my soul, and over my body. Forgive me, Lord, for yielding to the wrong things and not yielding to the right things. I apply the blood. I declare crop failure over the wrong kind of seeds in the name of Jesus that I have planted. And I look at this day. As a brand new day, believing the word in my heart and having what I say, I call the things which be not as though they were. I call myself blessed. I call myself filled unto overflowing with the joy of the Lord. All week long, I will feed my spirit. The word of God. And I shall get stronger and stronger. Day by day. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Well praise God. Did you get anything out of this morning's message? Amen. Right before that we dismiss. We never want to take it for granted that people.